Hello and welcome to That's What People Do. Uh, you are joined by me, Ryan McGowan, and as ever, James Kay. How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm very good. How are you doing good. on today? Uh, yeah, all good, all good. Um, uh, straight off the bat, must apologise. Uh, we're a couple of days late. Um, I've got terrible mouth ulcer. <laughs> Um, that for the last couple of days, it's just it's a pain in the butt to talk. Um, very. Did you get some bongella? No, I haven't. I haven't gone out and got any bongella yet. Um, <clears throat> but I've been told that is quite helpful. But for now, I'm it's suffering. It's really nice as well. It tastes good. I've heard, yeah. But they do say that medicine that tastes good is always bad for you, and the stuff that tastes bad is always good for you. It depends how shit of a cook you are. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of, someone tried to make a carrot cake today, did they not? Yeah, it's literally downstairs right now, and I'm convinced the second I go downstairs and look at it, it's going to have fallen to pieces because it's sinking at an alarming rate, <laughs> and it's just it just needs to be eaten before it sinks. I don't know what's happened, but we'll we'll uh, we move. Excellent. Okay. Well, this week um, we are talking about a wonderful person called Rosa Parks, who our listeners may or may not have heard of, um, but more so, you may have heard of her, but you may not know. Uh, how much uh, what what more there is uh, in terms of her as a person also um before we do get started um i want to big a uh, big thank you to a friend of ours alex who provided us yeah. our intro and outro um mm-hmm. jingle that we have uh i think it was the to, during last week's episode we were having another rant and we uh we yep. mentioned that we need a rant jingle and that maybe we should get yep. on to alex about that and before we could even ask him he'd sent us over a couple of samples and we have now a little rant uh jingle there so you know what i'm actually going to give myself some more editing work if ever we get onto a rant the jingle will sound like this i hope it just played (laughs) (laughs) and that's how it sounds uh so if at any point now it's like a new format or it's an adding to the model. Uh, it may happen at any point of the podcast. We're about to go on a rant. All we have to say is cue the rant music and it shall go on and then we shall rant. I'm really looking forward yeah, to this. Yeah, because we do enjoy a rant. Well, we love a rant. And I hope people enjoy our rants as well. Um, but I, as, I'm really looking forward to as, listening to it with, with the music. As in. soon as he sent over all of the options, I was in floods of tears. I just found it so funny. Oh, yeah. And I, I hope... You listeners enjoy Alex's amazing work, so thank you very much, Alex, for that. Um, yeah, we'll put all of his um, uh, shout him out on socials and stuff with his band. And if you need uh, music or whatever, uh, and I'm assuming he's freelance, so get in contact with him. Yes, we'll sort you out. Right, so let's crack on, shall we, with uh, the story of Rosa Parks? Uh, James, do you know much about Rosa Parks at all? Um, I know. Obviously, that she was famous for not giving up her seat on the bus. Mm. I think that's the main thing. Um, I know she was part of a lot of uh, civil rights movements as well, but I don't really know the details of it. Yes, well, uh, that, that's pretty much what we're going to go through with this episode. Um, when researching, I found out that she was quite vocal um, before her bus protest and after. Um, so, we shall start with Rosa Parks, who was born Rosa Louise Macaulay, which is a Scottish name, uh, on February the 4th, 1913 in Tuskegee, Alabama. Now, her parents were Leona, who was a teacher, and James McCauley, who was a carpenter. So she grew up on a farm that was owned by her maternal grandparents. Parks, from a young age, was given a very realistic view of the world that she would grow into. 
Both her grandparents were former slaves who remained in the southern states following the Civil War. But just because the Union won the war and the 13th Amendment abolished slavery, uh, the, the 13th Amendment that abolished slavery was added to the Constitution, that did not mean that racism stopped overnight. There was heavy resistance from white southerners who now had to live with black people on equal footing. Now, the years following the Civil War were far from peaceful. They were marked with bloodshed and fighting, and in many southern states, there was the introduction of such a thing called Jim Crow laws. Have you ever heard of Jim Crow laws? No, not at all. Um, I'm not going to go into it too much, but Jim Crow laws are just absolutely ridiculous laws uh, passed down by uh, racist white folk um, in ways to oppress black people in southern states. Uh, which and they're just statewide laws, not federal laws. It's 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 very complicated. Okay, now this is a place uh, in the South where many white power groups have sprung up just after the Civil War as well. Most famously, the KKK were rampaging the South, terrorizing black families, just simply trying to live peacefully. Now Parks actually remembers her grandfather standing near the front door with a shotgun in hand, ready to shoot while the KKK prowled the streets outside. That's quite a terrifying childhood memory, that. Um, yeah, absolutely. But an all-too-normalised one for a lot of young families around that time. So her grandparents were members of the African Methodist Episcopal Church, which is a church that had strong a strong sense of community, uh, having been formed due to discrimination that black people had received from other white attendees to other churches. Uh, and because of all this, they went, no, sorry, we're going to create our own church. We're going to support ourselves and our community and, you know, be stronger together in that sense. Uh, and they were also very strong advocates for racial equality. Now, at home, Parks would help out around the house making quilts with her mother and her grandmother. And sewing became a skill that she would become quite effective and efficient at. Uh, now, while running around the neighbourhood, Parks was exposed to bullying from white kids she attended local schools till about 11 when she attended the industrial school for girls until that was burnt down by white arsonists because it was a school for educating young black children that was ran by white people, mostly abolitionists, before the Civil War. Which is absolutely fucking ridiculous. Mm. Now, Rosa would drop out of her schooling to look after her grandmother and her mother when they became ill, so she never got to finish her education when she was younger. Uh, but Rosa would go on to hold many jobs, like working at a hospital as an aide and uh, being a d domestic worker. Now, while doing this, she met and married a man called Raymond Parks, who was a barber. She maintained her jobs and even went back to finish her education because of the support from her new husband. Now, for the most part, if you've heard of Rosa Parks, you know her for one main pivotal part in the civil rights movement. But that doesn't do her justice. She was an active member in the civil rights movement for years, and she was introduced to it through her husband Raymond, who was a member of the National Association for the Advancement of Coloured People, or as I will refer to it throughout the rest of this podcast, the NAACP. When Rosa was introduced to the NAACP, they were in the middle of fundraising to help the Scottsboro Boys. Uh, have you heard of this at all, the Scottsboro Boys? Does the name ring a bell? No, not even a little bit. All right, so in 1931, a group of nine lads, ranging in age from 19 to 13, were on a train in Alabama when another group of six lads started a fight with them. The train conductor kicked out the lads who started the fight, the six of them, 
because, you know, quite rightly, they were the ones who started the fight. But the ones that were kicked off the train weren't very happy with being kicked off the train and went straight to the police and told the sheriff that they had then been assaulted by the other boys on the train. The sheriff then proceeded to rally a mob and went to stop the train, which seems a bit excessive, does it not? Mm. Now, the sheriff then proceeded to, um, well, arrest every single black person on this train. Why? Because the nine black lads, uh, the nine boys on the train were black. Simply, that was the only reason why these other six lads went to the sheriff and then lied, saying, we've been properly assaulted by these other lads. And that's the reason why the sheriff then got a mob of people, stopped the train, and then proceeded to arrest every single black person on that train before whittling it down to the nine lads who had uh, caused the assault, in quotes here. Which is absolutely mm-hmm. fucking ridiculous. Now, on the train were two white women called Victoria Price and Ruby Bates. They had told the police that they had been raped by the group of nine lads after the fight with the other six boys, which is ridiculous. Um, Anyway, this seems, this is in deep South America in the 1930s, where racism was as prevalent as it had always been. And the sentence for black people in cases of rape or almost any kind of sexual interest was, was public lynching, generally by the mob, or it was the electric chair. Regardless, it, mm. was, it was a death sentence. Yeah. So... It ties in with our witchcraft episode as well. People, are, we see it even today, people are well aware they have power over somebody else based on their own privileges that they were born with. Mm. And they can just... Is the boy who cried wolf, and people will just be like, "Oh, okay." And there's these white women and the uh, the white lads who are lying. They they know what power they've got, and they're just completely abusing it to mm-hmm. for what to get somebody else killed. Yeah, exactly. Well, it turns out so these boys came to be known as the Scottsboro Boys, and their story is so shocking that we could actually do an entire episode on it. But right now, that's not what we're doing. So I am going to sum it up here. So, right. they were all being tried for the rape of two white women, which, as I said, was a death sentence if found guilty. What was worse is that whilst arrested, they were not allowed to see their families in any capacity, and they had bare minimum legal defence, and the defence they had were not given any appropriate time to prepare a proper argument to defend them. Not only that, the entire jury and the court was made up of male white people in a racist deep southern region. So, unsurprisingly, they were all found guilty and were to be executed by electric chair, except for the youngest, who at the age of 13 was exempt from this because they weren't too sure if it would be acceptable to kill a child. Bloody fuck. Oh, yeah. It's The whole system's just designed to make black people at the time fail yes yes the, no, they, they they didn't stand a chance no the infrastructure is not there and the support is not there um for them to you know just crack on and just live normally the whole thing is against yeah. them it's set up set up to fail almost so long story short the boys appealed um after their conviction and had several trials 
when it was found that their previous trials were all deemed to be unfair. Now, even when one of the women who accused them of rape actually came out and admitted that she had lied about the accusation, they were still being tried for a rape that did not happen. So even when she admitted it, they still were trying them for it. I don't understand it. There's no reason, no justification. I don't see it. It's because they didn't care about the trial. They just cared about what like, they wanted to do to them. Mm. Mm-hmm. And they just needed some sort of documentation to allow them to do it without being murderers. Yeah. But regardless, they're murderers. Now, um, you did ask as to like uh, the reasoning as to why they lied. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it's thought that the reason why these two ladies lied about the rape happening was that they were actually on a train. Um, they were sex workers, I think. Uh, or it's believed that they were sex workers and they were on the train uh, commuting to a job that involved sex work. And at the time that was like very, I think, either frowned upon or illegal. Uh, and so to distract the attention that they may get after being questioned, uh, whilst being questioned as to why they're on the train, where they're going kind of thing, um, they mm. lied about that. And then I, I don't understand how that's better. <laughs> I, I no, it's fa- you you see it. We see it today. We see videos online of all the time of um, just it's particularly particularly in America. It happens here as well, but particularly the video the videos you see anyway are in America generally, mm. and it's usually a crazy white woman and a crazy white man. Usually a couple who have just found each other and just live their life in fucking batshit crazy land. And they'll just be standing in a park or outside their house or something accusing a black person of something that they, they had absolutely no involvement in. I'm sure I remember one of where this white woman was walking her dog and all of a sudden she just started like shouting at this black dude and said he was gonna, like, she was going to call the cops on him because he was acting suspicious. Oh, and yeah. all he was doing was walking in the park. Yeah, yeah. I see a lot of that. People just... It's... It's fucking mental. It's absolutely mental. Um... Yeah, there's um, a, apologies for for not remembering the poor lad's name, but there's um, there's a young lad who was shot, uh, by three white guys from their pickup trucks. I don't know if you've ever seen it. He he's running. He's going out jogging. Oh yeah, that was, this was recently. Yeah, and he's been chased by these two trucks. One of them's filming it, and the other two is a father and son, and they're chasing yeah. him down. And they manage to catch up with him, stop him, and they shoot him like just in the street dead uh and they just assume that he's like there to rob houses because he's a black lad running through the town and i just don't understand it and there have been police reports calling saying oh there's a there's a black man uh running around houses it's like he's just jogging he's just out for a jog that's absolutely mental it's absolutely if you look outside your window and you see a black person jogging and your initial reaction is they're here to rob me then that's a problem with you you are a racist mm. now like just straight up just put your prejudices down you fucking moron absolutely now i won't say what happened to the boys in the end because uh, it's not for this episode but uh, when their story got out into the public eye many protested and wanted to help these young men one of those groups was the naacp who as i said were trying to fundraise in the hope of helping the boys in any way shape or form and Rosa was in and around that work since her husband was part of the group. Now, she would actually join this group in 1943 as a secretary at the time because there were no women in the group 
uh, and Rosa was just made the secretary as apparently that was sort of the woman's job. Now, I'm certain that she wanted to have a bigger impact in the group at the time, but as she put it, quotes, they needed a secretary and I was too timid to say no. But her time will come. She and her husband both became members of the League of Women Voters, which was a group founded in the 1920s after women got the vote in the United States, uh, which was a group that helped to continue women become more prominent in public offices and affairs, which I think is quite a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So even before her protest, we're seeing that she is quite politically active and engaged. Now, while secretary of the NAACP, Rosa became heavily involved in the case of Reese Taylor. Um, now, just a, a quick disclaimer: um, this is rather graphic. Um, there are, uh, I think, there's there's two uh, stories that I will tell in this episode that are rather graphic. So, uh, just fair warning, um, as I will sort of use explicit language. Um, now, Reese Taylor was a mother and wife in Alabama, in Henry County. On the night of September 3rd, 1944, after leaving church, she was abducted at gunpoint by a U.S. Army private, Herbert Lovett. She was then bundled into the back of a van and driven to a wooded area. She was forced to remove her clothes and told to, quotes, act just like you do with your husband or I'll cut your damn throat. Reese was then horrifically gang raped by six white men and then dumped in the streets. And the police were notified immediately uh, after the abduction and they traced the car to its owner who admitted that he drove the car and the rapists inside to the spot where it happened but the six rapists mentioned were never arrested. Instead, the driver was given a $250 fine and just told to be on his way. It's fucking disgusting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's if, no care at all here. Um, there was there was word that Reese Taylor might just be a bit of a sex worker, as, as they call it, then like a prostitute, um, and so almost apparently that excuses it. I and always that, try and figure out why racists and people that do this fit, think the way they do. I think it's an important conversation to have to learn, and I think it must come from some sort of superiority comp- complex, thinking that I'm better than this individual because I've got a small dick or so, I don't know. They just, they need to be above someone else. Mm. However, if you go out and forcibly gang rape somebody in this instance, or even today, if you're going out and you are just racially abusing someone for no reason, there's never a reason for it. You, you're, you've lost that superiority complex already because you aren't superior. At that point, you just become a massive piece of fucking shit on the bottom of the earth's shoe mm. and we need to wipe you off i couldn't agree more i could not agree more uh now, it's, you think you're better than people but you're not you're not you're fucking scum and that's just the bottom line of it like fuck off. if you're a racist and you listen to this and you're getting angry with what i'm saying please stop listening because i don't want you here i i couldn't agree more i couldn't agree more this is not a place for you <laughs> and uh, yeah feel free to turn off and unsubscribe leave, leave probably a, should have had a random music there i don't know Ah, if, yeah, maybe. Leave a bad review, though, if you don't like it. Um, then yeah, we'll see do, do a one star on Apple fucking podcast and say, I don't like this because I'm a fucking racist. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, naturally, the black community was seriously pissed off uh, about such a miscarriage of justice. And this is where Rosa Parks comes in. Uh, she was there to help learn more about the case so that the NAACP could assist where need be and get the word out. 
Now, they managed to get the case known nationally with protests from Chicago and New York, and the case was brought to a grand jury. But since there was no arrests, it was purely on whether there was any case at all to try. The court and the jury, which consisted of all white males, took five minutes to conclude that there was no case here and that the men would go free, never serving any time for their horrific crime. Almost like the system was just designed to help them. Yeah, or just doesn't give a fuck. Uh, the horror didn't stop there for Reese Taylor. Uh, following the grand jury's decision, she was then constantly threatened um, by her local community. Uh, she was sent death threats on a daily basis and even had her home firebombed, which forced her to move back into her family home. Uh, she pretty much lived in hiding for almost two decades uh, in fear of her white um, neighbours in the community, which is absolutely awful. Um the men involved would never pay for their crimes, despite all the hard work from people such as Rosa Parks, but it did show a shift. Mm. Um, it's the only positive that has been taken away from it. Many activist groups um, over this case actually united themselves nationally and with the help of Reese, who has never, ever kept quiet about what happened to her. She's been very vocal about it from day dot. She's open to, she was always open to just talk about it and never hid it. Um, which is the perfect way of her to do it. Like, bring that out. Never let that get swept under the carpet. Mm. Um, Things like that uh, are some of the foundations on which the civil rights movement was able to actually stand on and actually fight. So, yeah, there's some some light in the darkness there um, that she was able to bring. Now, Rosa in 1944 took a job working at Maxwell Air Force Base, which is a job she wouldn't hold for long, but one that she says, quotes, opened my eyes up. Now remember, some deep southern states had Jim Crow laws, laws that segregated white and black people, or, quotes, coloured, which became an umbrella term back then for anyone not white, including people (laughs) like Rosa, who, as I did mention, she actually had a Scottish surname growing up um, because Mm. she has a white great-grandfather Rosa Parks is part Scots-Irish and remembers her elderly Scottish great-grandfather from a very early age this is the bit that I find seriously fucked up Um, I suppose we could this could be a cue the rant music think that is uh, an appropriate time to use it rosa parks right. is being treated as a quote colored person right when in fact yeah she has a white great-grandfather and this is the point with racism that i do not understand there is no such thing as like one like one kind of like oh i'm white no if you look in your genealogy look in your ancestry and your dna chances are you're from all over the fucking place and I find that absolutely baffling that I've I've received There is no sense in racism. None at all. There's no logic in it. No logic. There's no logic. I recently have done my DNA uh, samplings and found out that I've got DNA not from just the UK. It's all over Europe, all over the place. Can you imagine if I was like racist against like someone from I don't know Scandinavia or whatnot, and then did my DNA mm. and found out that actually have quite a lot of DNA comes from Scandinavia. 
how bizarre would that yeah. be? It's absolutely ridiculous. And when you look back it's in terms a... of Rosa Parks, literally, she has a great grandfather who is from Scotland. If anyone genuinely believes that their entire family lineage started in the country where they're born, then you're fucking stupid. I, I don't think a single per. I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe all humankind originated in Africa. It's believed to be so. Yes, that all humans originated from there. From there. And the and the colour of someone's skin, I don't know the exact scientific. It's just about pigmentation and the relationship of the country you're in, the plot of land you're in, with the sun. Oh, you're absolutely spot because on. Because obviously, because obviously, the sun is fucking poisonous to humans. If we get too much, we will get cancer, which is don't do sunbeds, people. But it, obviously, if you live closer to the equator, the sun is a lot harsher. And I again, I might be butchering this, but the colour of your skin would, if your family are from there would generally be darker as to not absorb as much sunlight. Yeah, the theory goes that when uh, hum- early humans went north into Europe and found out it's a lot colder up here and there's not as much sunlight up here, their skin got lighter as an attempt to try and attract the sun uh, and also mm. the hair got lighter to try and attract more sunlight into the skin so they can get some sort of like vitamin D and all the goodness that you can get from the sun. And that's all it yeah. is. It's literally just a case of uh, your your skin evolved to adapt to the climate of, and the region. It's it's absolutely bizarre that anyone would because think I don't believe here. racists. I don't think racists are intelligent enough to not see a black person and like they'll get angry just because they're looking at a black person. They won't have anything against like the culture or anything like that because they haven't thought about it that deeply. Mm. It to them, it's literally what they what they can look at and be like, oh, don't like that. It's but then I'm well, we need to turn around and then look at the racists and say, well, we can see you for what you are, but then we can also look deeper at you and realize that you're a fucking cunt. Mm. I think a lot of it's also and ignorance. for some um, oh, for, it's it it's it's a tricky argument, isn't it? Because I think a lot of it is if you if you're a child and you're born in the deep south of America to racist parents everyone in your town is racist you don't stand a fucking chance you in the modern world you can educate yourself and i've stories of that have happened and please for the love of god i think everyone owes it to every other human being ever to be open-minded about everything even if you disagree with something wholeheartedly just give it the time of day to research it because you never know what you might find but these people will refuse to educate themselves which is why when the black lives matter movement um in was it June? It because the death of George Floyd, mm. uh, it really ramped up, and then everyone I think, well I know I did, and I think a lot of a lot of people did looked internally at themselves and what they've done with their life and what they can do because we're two white dudes who, let's be honest, we haven't really had the hardest of lives. Like things have gone wrong at points, but generally it's just oh we broke up with someone or something's gone wrong like this, like we stuff we can get through. We were born into a world that was designed to let us succeed. We were never told that we can't do something because of how we look. Like I have friends who have told me they won't go to certain countries because they're afraid they'll get beaten up or harassed. Mm. And I've never had that. I can look on a map and go, I can go anywhere and I'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, you, you mentioned it's, travel. It's mental. You mentioned travel, and I think that's very uh, apt. There's the there's the phrase that travel broadens the mind, and I think that couldn't be further from like that. I can that that couldn't be more true. In that, if you go to other places, you experience other cultures, you meet other people, 
you're 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 just a better, well, more rounded person. And then you get like this little Englanders who have never left their county, who then have an opinion on yeah, immigration. They'll never leave their town. They'll be born in the same hospital and they'll probably die in that hospital and they'll be fucking proud about it. Yeah, yeah. And I just think that's so sad. I think, honestly, it's so upsetting. I haven't... I've seen parts of the world and they're beautiful and I want to see more, but for me, like, I've moved around this country a lot. I've experienced London and that was great. Like, I've experienced Birmingham, which is a world different from Birmingham. I've lived in Bournemouth, which is just a proper little Tory town, but it's so cute. Mm. And you just meet all of these, like, different people from different walks of life and everyone teaches you something. I've met people that are completely far right wing and I've met the leftist people you'll ever meet. And they're all interesting people because they've all got something to say. Excellent. Well, Rosa had grown up knowing nothing else but racial segregation. That's it. That was until she started the job at Maxwell Air Force Base. See, the segregation laws uh, that Rosa had grown up knowing were state level and the Air Force Base was federal government facilities and the federal government doesn't have these laws meaning that racial segregation was not a thing at work meaning that she could hit her on the bus for getting one hanger to the exit gates and she could sit wherever she liked and in fact she could in theory sit next to anyone she likes now imagine mm. this is like a thought experiment Rosa could in theory sit next to a friend of hers at work who happened to be white who's not a racist on the coach from hangar 9 for example to the gates and then at the gates once you're outside of that you're no longer on federal property you then get on the next bus onto her town Jim Crow laws are now in uh, in effect, and she now is no longer to, allowed to sit next to her friend, and she has to now sit at the back of the bus because she's black for no because other reason. She's black for no other reason than that. Honestly, this wasn't that long ago. No, it really wasn't, and that's what this whole episode has just baffled me that this even was a thing. So, as I say, yeah, the federal government they don't have these laws in terms of racial segregation. It was literally at state level. So at work, racial segregation, as as far as I'm aware, was not a thing. Um, now you're probably thinking, why not vote out these laws? Um, and it's a it's a good question, uh, one that has a very long answer and also a rather simpler one. Uh, but maybe the simpler one doesn't do it as much justice. But for the pod, that's what we're going to have to go with. So in essence. Uh, white males were in the majority in terms of education and holding down official positions such as political mm. offices. Now, after the Civil War, the 15th Amendment was added to the Constitution, which allowed black men to vote. And they did. They voted many black people into high offices and they begun to have representation for like the very first time in American history. But as the years went on, white majority lawmakers in many southern states aware of the lack of infrastructure in the black community put in place a poll tax meaning a lot of people couldn't afford to vote then they added a literacy and comprehension test so that you had to put you had to pass that test to be able to vote as well as pay for it and in fact it would actually take rosa parks herself three attempts to succeed in registering to vote uh, finally securing her vote in 1945. 
Can you imagine, James, having to pass a literacy and comprehension test and pay to vote in your own country? It's incredible that America peddle themselves as home of the free, land of the brave, land of opportunity, and yet they have to pay for democracy. You have to pay for healthcare. You, I, I could, I could literally do an episode on what I think about America. I think it's fucked. And I'm sorry, Americans, if you're listening to this, but I think sometimes it's important to know what the rest of the world thinks about you. And second most I think for the longest country for us. Yeah, but I don't have any problem against Americans. I just have a problem with against how their countries run. Mm. It's just capitalism gone wrong. Mm. And I'm, I say this as a British person. Fuck me, our country's got problems, and believe me, I'm very vocal about them as well. We've both got absolute fucking gremlins in charge of our country. Mm. But I don't know. There's something about America that everything's just heightened. No, I agree. Everything's bigger and arguably worse or better. Um, whichever way you look at it. The best thing I ever heard was that Breaking Bad could not happen in the UK yeah, because he yeah. would just have the treatment and that yeah. would be that. It's it's a it, it's a funny meme in our country. In Breaking Bad, there's this, there's a scenario where Walter White is sat in the office and the doctor says, I'm, I'm really sorry, Mr. White, it appears you have cancer. And then he's like, oh, okay. And then the doctor's like, but here's what we can do. And then it's it's like yeah. the end. There's no the Breaking Bad doesn't exist. It cannot exist in our country because his healthcare is paid for. Yeah. Oh yeah, healthcare is a big <laughs> one, but also race. I'm not going to sit and pretend that Britain isn't racist because we're heavily oh, racist. I, 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 very much. It However, is, I think the racists in our country are just they're loud and they're fucking proud when they get together. But I think there can be a lot more subtle and vindictive about it, which I think mm. can be a lot worse at points. Yeah. Because you never really know. And for some reason in our country, I don't know if this is the same with America and other countries, but we there's this weird mindset that if an older person's racist, it's okay. And I'm oh, just like, yeah, we seem no, to Grandma, pass, like it's, it's not, right. it's not all right. Like just because you've lived your life doesn't mean you can't learn something new. Absolutely, absolutely. Otherwise, give me back the fucking iPhone. Don't have that because that's from my generation. You can fuck off if you want to live with everything from your generation. Here's a cup and ball. Spot on. Have fun. Spot on. If anyone would like an example, as uh, if, you, if you're not from the UK, if you don't live in the UK, if anyone would like an example as to um, uh, the UK's level of racism, um, Sainsbury's, which is a very well-known supermarket in oh, the UK, fun. have recently put out their Christmas advert for 2020, and it involves um, just a, a random family. Uh, the girl is, there's a, a young girl, she's at university, and she's on the phone to her dad, talking about um, her uh, coming home for Christmas, because obviously with COVID, so it's relatively um, up to date. Um, and dad is talking back to her about the plans, talking about how like you prefer you prefer dad's gravy over mum's gravy at Christmas dinner. And the whole while this is happening, we're seeing um, uh, pictures from previous Christmases of the young girl uh, when she's a child was set up dad uh, with dad at the table and whatnot and it's a very very nice advert and i remember watching I really it like thinking it. oh this reminds me of what christmas was when i was a kid uh this not gone down very well in the uk for a lot of people why simply because the whole family are black people are just like i don't feel represented therefore i'm not going to shop at sainsbury's yeah yeah are there, you thick yeah there have been comments where people are saying um I think this is disgusting that Sainsbury's have just put an all-black family on their Christmas advert that's not representative of me and my family. And it's like, right, okay. <laughs> Imagine being so insecure about your own life and being so fucking stupid 
that you turn on the TV, see a black family, and your initial reaction is to get angry about it. Mm-hmm. Have a word with yourself. Yeah. Like, yeah. fuck me. That's where the UK is at the moment with racism and everyone. It's just pathetic. And then the second you try and, like, combat them and say, actually, I think you're wrong by saying that. They go, oh, I'm allowed freedom of speech. Like, you are allowed freedom of speech. And I'm also allowed to call you a fucking cunt then. <laughs> Because I think the big argument was there's also an Aldi advert where it's about a family of carrots yes. who are who are getting together for Christmas. Yes. And there's been no fucking uproar that the people don't feel represented because they're not a carrot. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, although I've honestly, heard the broccoli honestly, community is not pleased with the lack of representation. And I saw one guy being like, oh, they should have done it how Tesco did it. They have like white families and black families in their advert. And it's just like, what? Can you not see another human fucking being and be like, what's that? Like, am I... Um, wh- Why do you need to be represented on a fucking advert? It's a shop. It's an advert. It's capitalism trying to sell you stuff. <laughs> Why are you and the thing is, it? I fucking love going to Sainsbury's now because I know the racists aren't there. Yeah, spot on. So, Rosa, uh, as I said, she wouldn't stay long. Um, but the work that she had put in at the NAACP and working at a government facility where racial segregation was not necessarily a thing, gave her hope and renewed enthusiasm. Uh, She took a job as a seamstress and a housekeeper for the Durr family, uh, Clifford and Virginia Durr, who were a white, liberal-minded couple who became quite good friends to Rosa Parks and even encouraged her activism, so much so they even helped sponsor her education in attending the Highlander Folk School uh, and she was mentored by a black civil rights activist called Septima Clark, who taught her about activism, workers' rights, and racial equality. So, go Durr family. Now, let's get on to the bus boycott. But, um, well, on the bus boycott, let's just go back a little bit uh, to how it started. How did this whole thing of black people sitting at the back, white at the front, don't sit next to each other. How did that begin, right? Because that can't just happen. Well, at the turn of the 20th century, the city of Montgomery passed an order to segregate black and white people on the buses. Oh, uh, sorry, just to reiterate, Montgomery is the capital um, city of uh, Alabama. Alabama, yeah. Alabama. Uh, Now, uh, as I say, Montgomery City passed an order to segregate black and white people on the buses. And how was this implemented? Well, that was up to the bus driver. But nobody was required to give up a seat if the bus was full. You just stood. That was the initial plan. That's what they went for. But as time went on, several front aisles would be reserved for white passengers. And the back end of the bus would be reserved for black passengers signified by a sign with quotes colored written on it now this sign could be moved back and forth should more people come onto the bus meaning that black passengers would then have to get up and move to another seat or if there were no seats they would have to stand or if there was no more room to stand they would have to get off if it was too crowded and then wait for another bus that was legit the rules move okay move to another seat well there's no more seats we're gonna have to stand well there's nowhere to stand get off the bus then but i've been sat on this bus for like 40 minutes i don't give a shit get off that was legit a thing which is absolutely america was founded because they didn't want to live under the tyrannical rule of a monarchy they wanted freedom how Mm. 
on earth did they get to a point where they actually had less freedom? <laughs> well, it's something went wrong somewhere along the way. Unfortunately, James, a lot of these people didn't consider black people to be people. Therefore, they weren't they were not deserving of the same freedoms. Unfortunately, that was the thinking. Now, uh, black passengers were not allowed to sit on the same aisle as a white person, even if you were on opposite sides of the bus. But arguably, the most pathetic rule was how one would get on a bus. So, here's the scenario. The bus is empty of white passengers. There's only black passengers on this bus. Now, you'd get onto the front of the bus, you'd pay your fare, and you'd go sit down. But... If there were already white passengers on the bus, you'd have to enter the bus, pay your fare, and then I'm not joking, James, you'd have to then get off the bus and enter through the door at the back of the bus where all the black people are sitting. You were not allowed to walk down the aisle past the white passengers. I... I just... I'm lost for words. (laughs) Now, naturally... The black community argued against this and called for a change, but it always fell on deaf ears. Now, to the white male ruling officers, segregation was equal, James. They have the same as us. It's just separated. They can eat. That's absolute bollocks. No, they can eat and drink at the same places as us white folk, but just over there, they can ride on the same bus as us, but they can ride at the back and away from us. It is equal in their eyes. Everyone's equal, but some are a bit more equal than others. That's legit how they argued it. uh, We've all seen the pictures of um, two water fountains, one for black people, one for white people, and it would say whites only. They would argue, they're saying, well, this is equality. They have a fountain just the same as us. It's just separated. I have nothing to say anymore. Like, it's just... (laughs) Yeah. Now, interestingly, Rosa Parks' famous bus boycott was not the first time she had questioned the idiotic rules. In 1943, Rosa boarded a bus and paid for her fare when the driver, a man named James Blake, told her to go round the back as there were white passengers on at the front. Rosa ignored it and continued to make her way onto the bus when Blake insisted that she followed the rules. Rosa, maybe not wanting to fight it too much, she complied and exited the bus. As she did, Blake drove off, leaving her in the rain to wait for the next bus with her fare that she'd already paid for, mind. So she, so that's theft? <laughs> yes. He's stolen yes. her money? Yeah. Although we have seen worse crimes having been committed in this episode and not gone for, so I'm not sure that one would go either. Okay. Now, Rosa Parks was not the first to refuse giving up her seat either. Bayard Rustin, in 1942, sat at the front and refused to move to the back. Irene Morgan, in 1944, refused to move from a white passen- when a white passenger came aboard and would be sat across from her. Uh, she actually kicked a cop in the nuts for refusing arrest. Um, good on her. Uh, Lily Mae Bradford, in 1951, sat in the front row and refused to move after the bus driver charged her the wrong fare for her journey and wouldn't give her money back or change the fare. And Sarah Louise Keyes in 1952, she actually was a private in the Women's Army Corps and was sitting on the front of a bus without a problem until a new driver came on and demanded that she move for another white passenger to take her seat. 
She refused and so instead the driver had the whole bus full of passengers get off and move to another bus and stopped her from getting on. And uh, Claudette Colvin in 1955, just nine months before Rosa's protest, uh, refused to give up her seat and kudos to her. She was just 15 years old and she had some big cojones for doing that. Like fair enough for mm. a 15 year old, I wouldn't. Now, fast forward just a little bit though. It is now December 1st in 1955 and Rosa Parks is waiting for a bus home after a long day at work. She boards the Cleveland Avenue bus, she pays her fare and walks onto the front row of the section designed for black passengers. Um, so uh, it's from the middle down uh, and yeah. so she's at the front row of the black section so she's in the middle of the bus. Okay. Now the bus went on its usual route picking up more and more people on the commute home and the bus began to fill up, and the seats for the white passengers are now full, but more passengers are coming aboard. It's at this point that the driver noticed several white passengers standing, which to me suggests that maybe not all of the white passengers were bothered about having a seat or taking it no, from someone else. No, they're happy to stand. Yeah, uh, but the driver was like, I'm not having this. He stopped his bus walked down the aisle to the front row of the black passengers and demanded that these four black passengers give up their seats, saying, quotes, y'all better give up, y'all better make it light on yourselves and let me have those seats. Three of the passengers arose, but Rosa Parks, she was like having none of it. In fact, recognising the bus driver as being James Blake, the same driver who left her in the rain in 1943. And she felt a, quotes, determination cover my body like a quilt in a winter night parks full-on refused in fact she moved over to the window seat like from away away from the aisle Uh, Mm. now parks refusal and reasoning to move is often put down to her being all tired from work have you ever heard that everyone's like oh she was like her feet were sore and she was just really tired and she was like i'm not getting up you ever heard that no, I always thought it was just a complete act of defiance. Oh, yeah. No, you're absolutely spot on. Um, she actually puts it uh, as, quotes, people always say that I didn't give up my seat because I was tired, but that isn't true. I was not tired physically or no more tired than I usually was at the end of the working day. I was not old, although some people have an image of me as being old then. I was 42. No, the only tired I was was tired of giving in. She was fed up with putting up your shit, man. She was like, nah, fuck off, I'm not doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, she's likely thinking of growing up being told that she couldn't get the bus to school and had to walk. Thinking about the time her grandfather was sat with a shotgun aimed at the door in case the KKK came knocking. Thinking about the case of the Scottsboro boys, Reese Taylor, her job at the airbase where segregation was not a thing. And she was definitely thinking about a boy called Emmett Till, who was 14 years old who had not even a week before Rosa's bus protest had been ripped from his bed in the early hours of the morning, tied up and driven to a barn where he was beaten mercilessly. His face was hardly recognisable. An eye was dislodged from his socket. He had been shot in the head and his body was found in a river with barbed wire around his neck and at the other end was a big fan blade used to weigh his body down in the water. Now, why was this 14-year-old boy murdered so viciously? Well, I'll let Rosa tell you. She said, quotes, I thought of Emmett Till, 
a 14-year-old African-American who was lynched in Mississippi in 1955 after being accused of offending a white woman in her family's grocery store, whose killers were tried and acquitted. And that's true. This is oh, that's a true story. This young boy, he's 14 years old. He's from Chicago. He was visiting a family member in Mississippi. And while out with a bunch of friends, uh, they went into a grocery store. Um, it said that Emmett had a bit of a, a stutter and whistling helped with his stutter. And whilst whistling, the, f the white female who ran the grocery store that they happened to be in took offence to this and assumed that he was being sexually lewd toward her. And uh, for that, he was viciously murdered. Mm. Now, mm. all this helped cement Rosa to her seat. And when bus driver Blake asked, why don't you just stand up? Rosa correctly responded with quotes, I don't think I should have to stand up. Blake threatened her, saying he would call the police if she didn't move, to which she replied again, quote, you may do that. In the meantime, while this is all going on, Passengers are not going home. They're just stuck on a bus. Now, I can imagine that some knobs would be making comments at her to just get up. But if it were me, I'd be saying to the bus driver, like, hey, man, I kind of want to go home tonight. Can you just fucking leave it and drive? Mm. That would be me. And I'd be like, just fucking leave it. Leave her alone. Move on. Yeah. Go sit down in your car, uh, your seat, drive. I'd like to get home tonight, please. But no. The police were called, oh, and which, again, everyone now has to wait for. Now, they come on and, again, try to coerce Rosa into moving uh, or leaving the bus. But she, quotes, couldn't go back. She's going to stand, or in this case, sit for her rights as a bloody human being to have a fucking seat. This genuinely yeah. was really irritating to write. This whole episode has been infuriating. <laughs> Now, it's just it's just the, the pathetic behaviour of it all. And, and like I mentioned earlier, I just cannot believe this was ever a thing. Um, but anyway, right. So the police then forcibly removed Rosa Parks from the bus and she was charged with uh, violation of Chapter 6, Section 11, Segregation Law of Montgomery City Code. Uh, luckily, she was bailed that night by the president of her local NAACP, who she worked with and her friends, the Durr family. Now, over that weekend, the president of the NAACP conferred with the Women's Political Council and came up with a plan calling for every black person in the Montgomery area to boycott the buses. Don't take a single one. Whatever you have to do, take whatever means you can to get to work. Get a cab, share a carpool, or if you have to, fucking walk. And you know what? They did. Some walked for miles, some even like 20 miles, just to get to work in support of Rosa and the whole cause. Now... Rosa attended court four days after her arrest and was fined $10 plus a court fee of $4, which in today's money works out around 130-odd quid. Um, right. Now, on December 3rd, a meeting of community members met to discuss the boycott and how to proceed. They all accepted that it was a great success and insisted on boycotting further. Hit the bus company where it fucking hurts, their wallets. Now, in all, they protested for 381 days. A whole year. Yeah, a whole year the bus companies felt their pockets get lighter and lighter. And I will point out as well, James, this was a time when 75% of the passengers 
using the buses were black. So they felt it. Proper felt that. And they also formed the Montgomery Improvement Association and elected a young minister new to the city called Martin Luther King Jr. as its chairman Ooh. president. Yeah. He'd actually said about Rosa Parks that she was, quote, one of the finest citizens of Montgomery. Now, they tried to take her case further to the US Supreme Court, but were concerned that they would see it as trying to upturn her conviction. Instead, they went with Claudette Colvin, the 15-year-old who we mentioned earlier. It was argued that it was unconstitutional to continue the segregation on buses, and the Supreme Court agreed. And on December 20th, 1956, racial segregation on the Montgomery buses was abandoned. And that was not the end for Rosa Parks. They won. Go on, carry on. Well, they won that little battle. Oh, yeah, they won that. Yeah, it's like, it's one of those, it's like, it's it's a big boulder. It's a massive boulder of shit. But you know what? You keep chipping away at it. Just chip, chip, chip. Little victories here and there. And eventually, it will become just this tiny little pebble of shit that you can just flick off your shoulder and be like, I'm done with it now and be done. Um, and that's like, you know... This and Rarisi Taylor and, as, as I've just briefly mentioned, Martin Luther King Jr. and whatnot, all these fantastic civil rights activists who, like, really led the way, they're chipping away. Just keep fucking chipping away and we will do our part and see what we can do and help out. Um, but as I say, it was not the end for Rosa Parks' activism. For the rest of her life, she fought tooth and nail uh, to help make the lives uh, of black people in the US that little bit easier every day. She moved away from Montgomery with her husband uh, and her family, eventually settling in Detroit, Michigan. Now, it was an up-and-coming place at the time, uh, churning out cars and musical big hitters, but there was still racial injustice, and Rosa pointed it out, saying, quotes, I don't feel a great deal of difference here. Housing segregation is just as bad, and it seems more noticeable in the larger cities. Now, she endorsed black political figures who wanted to help with the civil rights movement, such as John Coyers, who was elected into the House of Representatives. Rosa actually became his secretary and was invaluable to him. She was keen to help with welfare, education, job discrimination, affordable housing, visiting schools and hospitals. She stayed in her position with him until she retired in 1988. She was that valuable to him. Uh, now, she helped with many groups dealing with a range of issues like police brutality, building black-owned shop facilities and freeing of political prisoners and speaking at loads and loads and loads of events about her experiences and in trying, trying to like move forward and help. Now, in her later years, she went on to create the Rosa L. Park Scholarship Foundation for high schoolers who were about to go to college and the Rosa and Raymond Parks Institute for Self-Development which was an institute that held bus tours to important sites to do with the Underground Railroad. Do you remember the Underground Railroad? Yeah, I do. I yeah, do. Yeah, look at that in a Harriet Tubman episode. Now, as she reached her late 80s, she became frailer and more ill. On one occasion, she suffered a home invasion. A man broke into her home, alleging she was chasing some other criminal and demanded a reward. Rosa paid what little she could as a reward, but when he asked for more... She refused, and he beat her up. Luckily, this man was captured, and he was sentenced to prison. 
Also, funnily enough, he was sentenced to prison in another state because they feared for his life after what he'd done. He beat up Rosa Parks mm. and they were like, ah, oh, that's not yeah. good. Now, Rosa would be set back with financial troubles towards the end, facing eviction from her home due to payment troubles. Luckily, many in the church community and non-profit organisations, ones that she had helped create as well herself, they paid for her rent. And eventually, the company that owned the property she lived on uh, offered to let her live for the rest of her life rent-free, which she did. Until mm. October 24th in 2005, when she died of natural causes, aged 92. Bloody hell, good, fair play. Good innings. Really good innings. Yeah. Um, now, city officials in Montgomery, Alabama, and in Detroit, Michigan, they reserved all front seats on the buses with black ribbons in her honour until the funeral. And her body went everywhere when she died. She was flown to Montgomery, where she was then taken to a church by horse-drawn procession. She then lay there for public grieving for several days. Then she was taken to Washington, D.C., and by a bus uh, similar to the one that she made her famous protest on, to lie in mm. honour at the Rotunda. Um, I didn't know what the Rotunda was. Have you ever seen, like, on the, the news, we see him, like, at Washington, D.C., we see the big dome, the big white dome looks a bit like St. Paul's Cathedral in the background. Yeah, it's the Capitol building, isn't it? Yeah, that's the Rotunda, and... Um, she her body was laid in rest there for um fifty thousand people to come and pay their respects um mm. and uh, there was also a memorial service held there on telly as well it was broadcast too she's actually the first american citizen who does not hold a political office to be given that honor as well to be held in state there oh wow pretty good right Mm. And then from there, she was taken back to Detroit, where her funeral lasted seven hours. She was finally laid to rest with an honour guard by the Michigan National Guard. An American flag was draped over her casket and viewed by thousands of people. And she now rests alongside her husband at the, ship, uh, the chapel's mausoleum, which is now called the Rosa L. Parks Freedom Chapel. And that is the story of Rosa Parks. It just goes to show, doesn't it? Just small little acts of defiance and things like that can make a huge difference. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Like, small things make a, can really make a big change to a lot of people. And, like, mm. in terms of Rosa's story, uh, and as well as other people had done it before her, um, all it takes sometimes is just to sit on a bus and just think, no, fuck off. Do you know what? I deserve to have a seat here. I'm a human being just like everyone else. Fuck off. Yeah, literally. Like, that is the case. It's... I'm glad we've come a long way, and we have come a long way, but there's still also a long way to go. Yeah, we we really have come a long way, um, but as you said, because yeah, there's a long way to go still. She died in 2005, and then, what, four years later, Obama was elected? Yeah, yeah. So she went through her life fighting to have a seat on a bus, and then four years after she died, there was a black president, which, honestly, I think at the time I didn't really appreciate how fucking huge that is. Mm, yeah yeah i mean we've not had it's why it's a shame now we've just gone backwards for some reason yeah yeah oh well it sometimes you, you've got to do it i don't know i think we're going in the right direction i like to hope i hope we're going in the right direction 
I think people, particularly younger generations, are a lot more open and righteous. Yeah. No, I, I have a lot of faith in the generation, our generation, the generation below us as well. I have a lot of faith. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree with that. Um, we're a generation, us and younger, who want to travel, who want to see the world and experience it. They don't want to die in their own county that they lived and were brought up in. They, they want to yeah. explore and see other things and other cultures and whatnot. Uh, yeah, there, there is hope. There is hope we will be better. And racism gets called out so much more now. Oh, absolutely. Which is really important. Even if like you have a friend that just makes like a little racist, like what he might think is a little joke, it's important just to don't have to make a big deal about it. Just nip it in the bud. Mm. Hopefully, because we are we are seeing quite a lot of racism become more vocal at the moment and allowed. I'm hoping that it's one just last desperate gasp from a dying old man trying to claim something. That's all it is. All we're seeing right now is just the death beats of some stupid people. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, yeah. it will go quiet soon after that. Yeah, we are we're progressing, but there's still a lot to be done. There is, there is, and we can all help out a little bit by listening to episodes such as this and understanding the absolute shit show and ridiculousness of past laws and whatnot. It's it, the, the, the yeah, best just, thing is is to call out their shit as as ridiculous as it is. Yeah, absolutely. Just educate, educate, educate. Constantly. If you have kids, then make sure they're the best human beings they can possibly be. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and that's that. Uh, Rosa Parks, thank you very much for being a person and existing and doing you. Um, I hope yeah, you guys, incredible woman. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Um, make sure you leave us a review if you did. That would really, really fucking help out the podcast. Uh, yeah. I imagine if Sorry for most... slagging America off a lot. I just get into it. Yeah. And I do like America. Yeah. I do. There's a lot of it I want to see. We like you, America. It's just... We like your positivity and your sense of I think it's just because this episode was heavily centred on American racism. We'll do one on English racism and you'll watch me tear my own country to shreds. <laughs> I just hate everything. Yes, yes. We do have very strong opinions on our own nation. Um, but yes, uh, do if you can, drop us a review on any platform that it is you listen to that is able to do so. For the most part, I, we our most, most of our listeners are Apple Podcasts, so if you guys are listening on that, please just drop us a little five-star mm. review. Um, doesn't you have to be you could literally put a full stop i don't care like just drop us a little five star whatever it is um follow, follow us on all the social stuff if you fancy that and you can see pictures of the people we talk about if you've never heard of them before uh, you can also find links to the episodes if you're not already looking at it um and also we have a ko-fi page if you would like to help donate uh to the show to maybe help us improve of our equipment or whatnot or help us find a studio that we and james can finally get together in because it's been uh, almost half a year that we've seen each other face to face um you can well, uh, you can drop i'm afraid i'm tier three so oh, of course and james is now tier three so he's now stuck here at home whereas i'm now tier two and allowed to go back to work so it's all bizarre and weird uh yeah. yes you can find us on a ko-fi page www.ko-fi.com forward slash that's what people do oh, i was a mishmash um, or if you do have any suggestions uh, for people you'd like us to talk about, you can send them to our email at that's what people do podcast at gmail.com. Phew. Right. Well, thank you very much for listening, everyone. I do hope you enjoyed it. Apologies for it being late. Once again, big shout out to Alex for helping us out with a little jingle for our rant of the week. Ah, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, we will see you guys next week. Farewell. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.